her husband says that on her gratitude list that morning, she wrote she was grateful for safe planes. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Now, some weeks, a storyteller joins me here on the podcast, tells one of their story, and we break it down. Other weeks, we share stories from one of our events, which is what we're doing on this episode. This past Sunday, we had an open mic called 9-11 20 years, and there were 11 storytellers that joined us on that open mic uh, who told beautiful stories. Three of them to share with you here on the Grit Podcast by Shweta Bhatt, Ronald Levy, and Susan Bukowd. Each of these is actually rather short. Thank you, ladies, for allowing me to use your stories on this podcast, and we will be releasing most of the others at some point soon. We are at the beginning of season number three. We are looking forward to all kinds of new episodes, great interviews, and dynamic stories. Check the show notes as always for upcoming events and workshops. And if you listen on Apple, please help us out, rate, and review this podcast. I know I say that a lot, but it really does help people find it. Thank you for that. Once again, today, three stories from our open mic, 9-11, 20 years later. This episode is in part dedicated to the memory of Ingeborg Larrabee. Ingeborg was a friend of mine in New York for a few years, and she was an employee of Regis, which had its offices on one of the upper floors in the South Tower. Ingeborg, I have not forgotten you. I remember your laughter, our friendship, and your love. Okay, let's dive in. I'm standing on the second to last stair and I'm looking at my dad. He's in the doorway about to go to the airport. He has to take a flight. He's going to Baltimore for work and my mom, she's asked him not to go. I've asked him not to go, but he has to go because it's for work. I'm not afraid of planes. I'm not afraid of flying. My grandparents, they live in London. So since I was four, I've been taking flights to go and visit them. My uncle, who I love so much, is obsessed with planes. I mean, like his whole house has photos of cockpits and fighter jets, and I've watched Top Gun with him, even though I wasn't supposed to watch Top Gun with him. And I want to be an astronaut. And being in a plane, that's the closest to space I ever feel. It's not planes I'm scared of. But two weeks ago, two planes flew into the World Trade Center. I was sitting in my fifth grade class and Mr. Shaloni, he was walking in and out flustered and confused. And he told us that something had happened and our parents would tell us what. I came home that day and that's exactly what they did. They told me that something bad had happened. And I started to watch the news and read the newspapers, I learned what terrorism meant. I started to know what happened. I started to see the faces of the people who did it. I started to hear their names. My whole life, I've watched a lot of Disney and the bad guy, 
The bad guy always looks like this caricature of a human being with this weird and wicked mustache and some sort of scepter. But these bad guys, they looked like me. They look like my dad. And so I'm standing on the second to last stair watching my dad about to leave from the same airport that two of those flights left from. And I don't know what they're going to do to him. Are they going to stop him? Are they going to arrest him? Are they going to question him? Because my dad, he has the mustache. He has the brown skin, the long eyelashes, the long nose. And I'm afraid because I look like my dad. And I know I haven't done anything wrong. I know I'm not going to do anything wrong. But I look a lot like the people who did something really, really wrong. ago, September 11th, I see on Facebook that a former high school classmate has placed a video tribute to Paige Farley, who was another high school classmate of ours. Paige was a passenger on the American Airlines Flight 11 out of Boston. I mean, there have been tributes to Paige, but this video? I never hung out with Paige. I never saw Paige at parties, at the football games, at Dairy Queen, at, at, at any school activities. I mean, the, the only thing that Paige did was um, she went on the school ski trips to Austria. I mean, we hung out in very different circles. And then after high school, years later, I heard that Paige was addicted to drugs and alcohol and she was in a rehab center. And I'm like, yeah, okay, another townie bites the dust. But I watched this video. I see pictures of a beautiful, classy lady who was on her way to Los Angeles to discuss her upcoming radio series called Spiritually Speaking. And I learned that Paige was the chairman of the board of the Boston Salvation Army, and her mission was to help others improve their lives. And some of Paige's, her daily gratitude lists, they now hang in the 9-11 Memorial Museum. And on the video, her husband says that on her gratitude list that morning, she wrote she was grateful for safe planes. So I watched this video and the 1970s band Bread is singing, I would give anything I own just to have you back again. I wish I would have said hi to Paige when we passed each other in the hallway. Nine eleven. I was in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I was working, and all of a sudden a co-worker came rushing into my office you got to see this, you got to see this. And he grabbed my hand and pulled me to another office. And there was a TV. There were people surrounded this TV looking at it. And I kind of squeezed in, and there I saw it on TV. 
all that was happening. And I felt as though my breath was frozen outside of myself. I just couldn't take in any air. I was just stunned as we all were. I left work and I took the subway home, which is what I usually did. And then all of a sudden I just found myself weeping. In truth, it was wailing. And it was a few days after that. I can't even remember why I was on the subway, uh, but I was. And I felt as though I had recovered a little bit from the shock of what was going on. And then I saw this woman coming in the subway door, and she had a hijab, and she sat down. I didn't really think about anything like that, because in Toronto, that's, that's quite common. But all of a sudden, I sensed this kind of darkness coming in at the side of me. And I knew exactly what that was. I always know when I'm in danger because I sense this kind of darkness that comes in. And I looked, and there were three men that had gotten out of their seats, and they were going towards the woman who was wearing the hijab. And they started to say really disgusting things to her. Without even thinking, I just dashed to the woman's side. And the next thing I knew, on the other side of the woman, was somebody else who had dashed to her side. And we stood there. We just stood there, glaring at these men. They didn't do anything. They ended up leaving. And eventually, the woman with the hijab, she got up and she left, and that was it. It was... A few days later, or maybe a few weeks later, then all of a sudden the leaders of the country started talking about all of the things that were happening to this group of people that were being targeted and that it was to stop. It was to stop. And then finally, after that was done, my body kind of sighed and I felt... And somehow I knew that sanity was going to return. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to our three storytellers, Shweta Bhatt, who lives up in Massachusetts, Rana Levy from Brooklyn, New York, and Susan Bukaud in Toronto. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate these stories that you shared with us at the open mic and allowing me to use them here on The Grit Podcast. As always, check the show notes for upcoming events and or workshops. And if you listen on Apple, help us out, rate, review, and or subscribe. It helps people find this podcast. That is all for episode number 47. Boom.